It's September 22nd. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, U.S. auto workers are set to expand their strikes this morning, perhaps hitting the very plants that make America's profitable pickup trucks. I'll give you the details on that and why you should care. Second, an update for you on America's migration crisis. Border cities are declaring emergencies. Railroads are shutting down operations. And Joe Biden says that he has a new solution. But odds are that solution is going to make things worse. Third, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency has been purchasing a whole bunch of military weaponry from guns to ammo, drones to night vision goggles. And one U.S. senator is asking this morning, why? We'll talk about that. Later, we close out the podcast with a listener question about the protests of January 6th. Jimmy in Iowa wants to know why I haven't spoken much about that, so I will a bit more today. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. U.S. auto workers are set to expand their strikes this morning with announcements in the next couple of hours of exactly which plants they are going to hit next. And while it is always possible that a last-minute deal might be reached, that does not appear likely this morning. Auto companies are saying that they've already given very lucrative offers to these auto workers. General Motors, for example, are saying that, look, we've given you all a salary increase guarantee to $85,000 a year. Then you add in benefits, and that's upwards of $150,000 a year. Well, that is just a bunch of hogwash, or so says union leaders with the United Auto Workers, or UAW. They say that actually they are being offered poverty wages, and they're not going to stop until they get get that 40% pay increase that they have asked for, amongst other things. And if they don't, by the way, UAW head uh, Sean Fain said yesterday, quote, we're going to keep hitting the companies where we need to, when we need to, end quote. And here's what he means by that. Right now, there are about 13,000 union workers who are on strike. That is about 10% of the union's total. And using that fairly modest number, they have managed to shut down operations at three factories in Missouri, Michigan, and Ohio. I briefed you on that this last Monday. Well, using that modest number of workers, that gives them two different paths for what they might do next. First, the unions could strike at, a, say, an engine or a transmission plant next, and that would cause a cascading effect at other factories that rely on those parts, and that would shut down more plants all the way down the line. Or second, the folks at UAW could target the factories that make the most profitable vehicles made by the car companies in this nation and squeeze the bottom lines of these companies that way. And if they choose this latter path, Well, they're going to be targeting the plants that makes full-size pickup trucks. And to understand why they might do that, here's something that you might not know. If you buy a Ford F-Series pickup or a Chevy Silverado or Dodge Ram, you are paying on average around $65,000 for one of those things. And of that amount, $15,000 is pure profit. And that makes these vehicles very important to Ford and GM and Stellantis. But it also makes those factories quite vulnerable in case, uh, well, production is ever interrupted. And of course, the unions know that. And that is why car companies, in fact, are trying to figure out another option if, in fact, the unions target these very profitable plants. 
They've built up some extra inventory of pickup trucks just in case inventories, uh, for what it's worth, are now at a 100-day supply, give or take, when normally that is around 50 days. So what will the union do here? Are they going to take that uh, that first path and, and target the parts factories? Or will they strike these lucrative pickup truck plants? Well, here's what uh, UAW's Mr. Fain had to say about that. Quote, we want to keep the companies guessing, end quote. Okay, well, we are going to know soon enough in the next few hours, actually. So that's the latest of what you were likely to see and hear today as the unions and car companies face off in this labor strike. If I may pivot now to my analysis and opinion, well, I'll tell you, it, it remains really the same that I offered you on Monday. But to recap, here are the three things that you need to know. First, this strike is likely to last for a while, and that means that it is going to hit increasing numbers of U.S. cities and families, folks. And that is true whether or not you or your loved ones work for one of these companies or not. Second, this strike has some pretty profound implications politically for folks like Joe Biden and his reelection campaign. And that is because voters do not like Mr. Biden or his handling of the economy already. And this strike certainly makes matters worse. Finally, and third, ladies and gentlemen, the dirty green revolution, that is really driving this strike. Right? As listeners know, electric vehicles require fewer man hours to make. So these auto workers, they know that. They are grabbing as much as they can right now, as fast as they can, before the dirty green policies of Washington, D.C. change our cars and their lives forever. So, bottom line, more to come, folks. And by the way, let's hope that I am wrong about how long this thing might last, because nobody wants to see the wreckage of a prolonged strike. With that, we turn to our second report of the morning. America's southern border continues to collapse into chaos, panic, and anarchy this morning. We've got new declarations of emergencies in border towns. Railroads, they are shutting down operations, all because migrants are using them for illegal transportation. Plus, there's this. Joe Biden is declaring a new solution to try to help manage this crisis. But as you will soon see, the odds are that his solution its going to make things a lot worse. So let's talk about the latest, starting with those border towns under siege this morning. We start in San Diego, California, where Customs and Border Protection officials, plus their colleagues over the border in Mexico, have now encountered migrants from 65 different countries in just the past two weeks. And that global rush is all because they are getting reports from other migrants that, well, there are no consequences to just bum rush on the border. In fact, Reuters News Service interviewed one of these folks, an Oscar Suarez from Venezuela. He said yesterday that, quote, my wife's family said they crossed and nothing happened, end quote. And so Mr. Suarez decided to break immigration laws, too. He passed over with his son and brother. And he was right. Nothing happened to him. And so now he's continuing his journey into America. Well, so now that word is out and people from 65 nations around the world are rushing to the border, we are seeing a dramatic deluge of humanity in other U.S. cities, too, beyond San Diego, and that includes most especially El Paso and Eagle Pass, Texas, where city officials there have declared a state of emergency with thousands and thousands of illegal migrants flowing over the border into their town each day. 
In fact, it has gotten so bad in that region that the railroad company Union Pacific shut off their operations from Mexico into Eagle Pass because illegal migrants were hopping on board these trains for a free ride. And very sadly, in some cases, falling and dying or their limbs or their heads have been severed by the rail cars. Meanwhile, Union Pacific's shutdown was joined by Mexico's railroad company, too, called Ferromex. They temporarily halted operations on their freight lines as illegals were bum-rushing those boxcars, all for a free passage to the United States. And I'll tell you, for what it's worth, I have spoken to a doc near the border who has been treating emergency amputees from these falls, with some of them being young kids without moms or dads. Just horrific. Well, that aside, Joe Biden, he was actually saying this morning that he has a solution to this madness. And here it is. For the hundreds of thousands of migrants who are here, he wants to help them get American jobs. Mr. Biden announced on Wednesday that he would authorize about 500,000 Venezuelans to start working legally in this country for the next 18 months. And he's doing that by expanding a program that is called Temporary Protected Status or TPS. In fact, uh, Congress authorized that program years ago for people who were here but cannot safely return to their country due to normally things like natural disasters or an outbreak of war, which is why critics are saying that Mr. Biden is abusing this program by expanding it to people who really just want to come to the United States for jobs and economic opportunities, not a temporary hurricane or civil war. Now, they say that Venezuela is a wreck, it's true, led by a socialist president, But as I shared with you earlier this week, economic hardship does not qualify for asylum status, no matter how ugly it might be back in Venezuela. Well, nevertheless, Mr. Biden and his Homeland Security Secretary, Mr. Alejandro Mayorkas, made this decision, they said, because, quote, based on Venezuela's increased instability and lack of safety, we must, end quote. Although, again, one final note on that. These Venezuelans are passing first through the country of Colombia, on their way to the United States, and they passed through an area that I briefed you on called the Darien Gap. Well, back in July, the United Nations released a report saying that the overwhelming majority of the people passing through the Darien Gap, they are not persecuted individuals, but rather folks looking for better jobs or more economically secure lives. And just just to confirm with you folks, that is not sufficient to be granted asylum in this country. Once again, I briefed you on that issue on Wednesday. So those are the facts and data this morning on what I think can fairly be described as a flood of humans who are marching over America's southern border and into communities near you, perhaps into your hometown. Let me now offer this analysis and assessment. Folks, what Mr. Biden has just done by extending TPS is to create a global incentive, right? What migrants just saw with this extension of TPS, folks, Well, 65 countries and beyond now saw that if you and enough of your fellow countrymen can flood over our border and break our laws, we'll eventually give up. We will eventually change our rules and let you stay and live and now work here. And so people will. And they are, as Mr. Oscar Suarez said in that interview with Reuters News Service. So bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, your country is changing whether you like it or not. It is a coup of sorts, a a mini revolution, and it is one that is being allowed to happen. Mr. Biden and his party have decided that all of this unlawful migration, it's actually good. It's, It's helpful 
to them and their political goals. I briefed you on that back on August 3rd and August 10th on why that might be if you missed those briefs. But nevertheless, what I offer you is, I know a lot of you have written in saying that you're very upset about this, very angry. Well, if so, I would tell you, keep this in mind. Mr. Biden's opponents, who include former President Donald Trump, of course, and Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, they have both announced that if they are elected, well, they will begin mass deportations of these illegal migrants on the largest scale in American history. And I should note that while that would be politically ugly, it will be legally permissible. Mr. Trump, for instance, has vowed to use the Alien Enemies Act of 1798 to target cartel members and gangbangers and the like. He and others have also noted that they are willing to declare martial law, at least in certain border counties, and then deploy the U.S. military accordingly. Well, in response to these proposals, by the way, Democrats have said that they're going to fight all of those efforts tooth and nail. For instance, when they were uh, have heard of this news about the Alien and Enemies Act and the possibility of Mr. Trump using it, well, they said that they're going to work to repeal that very old act between now and a prospective Trump administration should he ever win re-election. In other words, the next election that we face federally, ladies and gentlemen, it certainly offers you a choice. Couldn't be more stark, actually. So if you are so inclined, my goodness, get registered, get to the polls, grab a friend or two or five on the way there. Because I'll tell you, this, this one is pretty darn important, folks. Because if you do not support this border coup or revolution, well, ultimately, you got to remove the current guy from the White House and put somebody else in. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks and enjoy the following messages, remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or a service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted, and that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about jacemedical.com. And here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at jasemedical.com. Then you speak with a board-certified physician. And within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. And I'll tell you, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use with potency lasting for years should the worst ever come. So friends, go to jacemedical.com, enter promo code right, that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get a discounted order. Again, that is promo code right at jasemedical.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Folks, I've mentioned to you that to put this podcast together, I work upwards of 12 hours a day. Now, that doesn't leave me much time to cook. And that is why I have been so grateful for America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit called Factor. These meals come fresh, delivered right to your doorstep, and take two little minutes to eat. Now, if you are skeptical like I am, I was at first thinking, eh, this stuff is going to taste like airline food. But no, sir. No, ma'am. These Factor meal kits are good. And Factor has a wide variety of meals to choose from, folks, covering lunch and dinner and some very good breakfast options, too. Portion sizes, by the way, are appropriate and modest, making them perfect as a nice meal or a hearty snack for hungry guys like me. Bottom line, folks, you know that I take great care when endorsing products, and I sure do with this one. Factor is my go-to option for when I am just too darn busy to cook. That is why you must head to factormeals.com slash right five zero. Use that promo code right five zero and you're going to get 50% off. Again, that is factormeals.com slash W-R-I-G-H-T five zero. And you're going to go and get 50% off, folks. What a deal. Go there and get this stuff today. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with more domestic news. First, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, has purchased a whole bunch of military weaponry, from guns to ammo, drones, night vision goggles. And one U.S. senator is asking this morning, why? So here is what we know, starting with this. The mission of the EPA is to, quote, protect human health, and the environment, end quote. Pretty simple. In fact, the EPA was set up back in the 1970s by President Richard Nixon to do just that, to take care of humans and their health and the environment, and mostly around the issue of pollution. Well, apparently to do that, the EPA says they have to administer and enforce federal laws with military weaponry and related gear. And so that is exactly what they're doing and buying. Since Joe Biden took office, the EPA has spent $2.8 million on guns, ammo, and what they call advanced tactical equipment. At least that is all according to U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, who finds this whole thing to be pretty darn strange. In fact, as he said, that $2.8 million, that is a 143% increase over what was spent during all four years of the Trump administration. Now, to be fair, this shall we say, weaponization of the EPA, it's not a new issue or a concern. In fact, during the first four years of the Obama administration, the EPA spent about $6.5 million on all the same stuff as well, which, by the way, included at that point guns, armor, radar equipment, mobile command posts, camouflage, deception equipment, whatever that is, and assorted weaponry. Plus, Senator Grassley said this, other non-law enforcement agencies are getting this lethal gear too, He noted that the IRS and others have gotten about $4 billion since 2006 to purchase and stock up on these various assorted weaponry and so-called military gear. And that is, of course, leading Mr. Grassley to ask why, to what end does the EPA need this arsenal of weaponry? Well, the EPA administrator, Michael S. Reagan, 
has not yet responded to his inquiry, that is the senator's inquiry. But years ago, the EPA did address this issue when they were faced with a a similar set of questions. Back in 2015, the EPA at that time said that they needed all this weaponry and gear for, quote, environmental crime fighting, end quote. Okay, well, there you have it. America's hippies aren't messing around, which sounds like some analysis and opinion to me. So let's switch gears to that and away from facts and data. And here's what I would offer you by way of analysis and opinion. Folks, you don't buy a gun unless you plan to use it or prepare to use it. So the question here is, does the mission of the EPA require a gun or the ability to prepare to be using it? In other words, is lethal force really necessary to execute the environmental mission of the EPA? I don't see a scenario for that, right? They have lawyers and laws that they can use to force compliance if that is what it comes to. So I don't see a reasonable role for weaponry. But what I do see is yet another armed federal bureaucracy that is frankly incentivized to use this weaponry at some point to compel or intimidate. Because as history has shown us, whoever owns the guns generally owns the power. And that's pretty darn dangerous, certainly in this case. So if this issue moves you, ladies and gentlemen, here's what you might want to do. Contact your federal representatives and senators at either Senate.gov or House.gov. And by the way, if you'd like, go ahead and send a note to Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa and tell him, well, whatever you want to tell him. But if you like what he's doing... Tell them, keep up the good work and keep asking questions because this one, not only is it a bit of a head scratcher, it makes me very nervous. Finally, this morning, some lighter news to enjoy over the weekend. It's about the AI revolution. That, of course, is the search for computational power that matches or even exceeds the human mind. And we've got three great stories to talk about regarding this topic. First, For listeners on the East Coast, you all know that Hurricane Lee was giving y'all a bunch of heartburn over the past week or so, but what you might not have known was that AI models were helping to accurately predict exactly where that thing would go one week before it actually landed. And that is very good news for all of us as we prepare for hurricanes in the years to come. So here's what we know about this very interesting development. Back on September 10th, Hurricane Lee was churning, making its way across the Atlantic Ocean. And the normal models for these things, both the American and European models, they were still working on where this thing was going to go, the expected path. Well, three companies with their AI models got to work as well, and they came up with this. Landfall of Hurricane Lee would be on Nova Scotia in Canada. And then a couple days later, after that initial assessment, they tightened up their forecast and they showed a much closer brush with New England states as it was advancing onto Canadian soil. And here's why that was interesting. The American and European models hadn't picked up on that yet, that it would get so close to New England. So all told, this very young AI technology that is now being infused with weather forecasting Well, boy, it's very interesting. Experts are saying that it performed just as well, if not better, than all the old standard hurricane models. Now, to be fair, these same weather experts are saying that AI modeling is still in its early days, and one hurricane does not make a consistent pattern. But, to be cheeky, the trajectory is pretty clear. 
AI is going to be a player in weather and hurricane forecasting business, folks, to the benefit of people everywhere. And that's good news. Next, AI is being used to do what, well, most of us would say is impossible. Communicate with animals. So here's two stories about that, starting with whales. The UK Sunday Times has a brilliant write-up on the progress that is being made on collecting and deciphering all the chirps and barks that are made by and between whales. So the hope is that through advanced AI, they are going to be able to understand what these sounds might exactly mean. And by the way, here's something pretty darn cool. They think that they have the first word figured out. It's a, a sequence of clicks that means dive. Pretty neat. Well, as those lucky researchers get to deal with whales, there is another set of AI researchers that, it, well, they're talking to another animal, chickens. Researchers at the University of Tokyo are exploring how we might understand and communicate with chickens, namely their various emotional states. That would include hunger, fear, anger, contentment, excitement, and distress. So these researchers are using an AI technique called deep emotional analysis learning to figure out what all the clucking and bark barking might actually mean. The researchers hope that they can use what they are learning to understand the mind of a chicken, to design a world for these birds that is better and more comfortable. Well, I'm not so sure uh, what that means. Uh, perhaps we're going to have to start giving chickens a, a sort of mattress or a foot massage. But either way, as we make them comfortable, I'm not so sure that it's going to matter as we make them very comfy and then we tell them, actually, you are going to make a delicious sandwich because uh, <clears throat> I'm not so sure what the chickens are going to say, but I have a, a pretty good clucking idea that they're not going to be happy about it. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a listener question sent to us from one of my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. Jimmy from Central Iowa wrote in. He said, Brian, I don't hear you talking much about January 6th. It seems like people are being persecuted back in D.C. and we should be talking about that. The American people need to know. Well, Jimmy, I'm hearing you. But broadly speaking, I haven't weighed in on this more thoughtfully yet because first, I need to better understand the, the case law involved here and speak with more legal counsel about why this is being handled in the way that it is. I want to have a more informed opinion. But I will say to you that from the folks that I have spoken with and the folks that I read and trust, it seems pretty clear that the prosecutors and judges involved here are frankly railroading a bunch of people on, on some well, trumped up charges, right, with sentences that don't really fit the crime. Second, and boy, this is important, Jimmy. I hope you hear what I have to say. There are two questions that I need answers to before I tell everybody what I think. And those two questions are, first, 
How many FBI informants or confidential human sources were at that January 6th protest? And second, did any of those government agents incite or organize any criminality on that day? Because those questions and those answers are of vital importance to understanding what happened that day and whether those protests would have ever even happened or become unlawful, certainly, without the participation or organization of any government informants and personnel. Let me say that a little bit differently, imagining sort of a general scenario. Let's say you are out there living your life, doing good things with no intention of ever engaging in any criminality. And then you meet somebody who turns out to be an FBI agent or informant. And over time, they encourage you, they incite you to engage in criminality. And you do. So the question is, should, be, should you be charged or prosecuted or ever serve jail time for doing that crime? Because again, the crime would have never been committed absent the government tricking you or pushing you into it. Well, in that scenario, I think that most reasonable people would say that no, you should not be charged or prosecuted and that actually it should be the government or its official or its informant that should face some sort of, of jail time, prosecution, discipline, all because they incited the criminality, right? And used you as a tool to do so. So that is why I want to know exactly how many FBI officers and informants were there that day on January 6th and what role they did or didn't have in inciting criminality. And I'll tell you, I want to know that because of the very long history of the FBI. They engaged in some pretty nasty stuff around this issue of inciting people to do terrible things. For decades, they've done it, actually, all the way back in the 1960s. So it is a reasonable series of questions, then, that we should be asking and demanding answers to. But here's the thing. The FBI and DOJ have been very tight-lipped about answering these questions. But actually, we do know that the FBI had informants there that day on January 6th. In fact, this week, a former assistant uh, director of the FBI, he confirmed that the Bureau had so many informants at the January 6th protest that they lost track of the number who were there. That is according to Stephen DeAntuno. He testified about that during a closed-door session with members of Congress. It was reported earlier this week by the New York Post. So, Jimmy, that reporting by this former FBI official, it tells me that quite clearly we do not have the full story on January 6th. And the government sure does not want us to know more about this story for whatever reason. That makes me very suspicious. And I imagine it does you too. Folks, if you would like me to answer one of your questions on the podcast, it is easy to do. Either donate via my Stripe account, which you will find a link for in the show notes. Just make sure you leave your email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com, sign up, and at the bottom of each day's Substack post, you can leave a comment or ask me a question. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you on Monday, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.